This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Laden Sami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Sardorj, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. Welcome to America's Roundtable. It's Saturday morning, and welcome to America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. We are delighted to welcome a special guest, Deborah Laprevot, former senior FBI official, a principal leader addressing global corruption and strengthening the rule of law. Deborah had a 20-year career with the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Deborah served as a supervisory special agent on the International Corruption Unit at the FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C., and was instrumental in launching the FBI's Cryptocracy program. Uh, Deborah Trayson sees more than $1 billion from foreign corrupt officials. She has spent the past 23 years working international corruption investigations. Uh, Deborah Laprevot is also a forensic scientist and spent several years on the FBI's evidence response team unit at the FBI lab. Uh, Deborah, we are obviously we're talking about illicit financial outflows, about political corruption, money laundering. Uh, the other side is actually asset recovery. And we already mentioned but it's great to reiterate that you, through the U.S. Kleptocracy Initiative, tracked down and recovered around $1 billion that Nigeria's kleptocratic regime stole from its people. And after retiring from the FBI, you continued with your efforts in following the dirty money and building the cases, focusing on the war criminals most responsible for Africa's deadliest conflicts and the corrupt transnational networks that profit from them. Uh, Deb, could you kind of share with us about the successful cases and mechanisms of asset recovery around the world? How do we force the corrupt regimes? Obviously not China, North Korea, Iran, Venezuela, but some of the corrupt regimes such as Croatia and those that are considered or perceived to be complying with some EU and NATO charter, how do we force them to embark on the asset recovery? And finally, when assets are recovered, how do we make sure that they benefit the citizens, that is taxpayers, from which they are stolen in the first place? You know, it, it's interesting because the amount of money uh, that's being looted out of state coffers around the world is in the trillions. And uh, Joel, I think you said what three over three trillion dollars of illicit flows are moving around the world annually. And so, I will tell you, when people loot five billion dollars from a country, uh, there is a lot of money to be found, right? Because it's hard to spend five billion dollars. Um, uh, some of the success stories, Natasha, you asked about. Yes, I was very fortunate. I seized, I think, six hundred and thirty million from former president uh, attributed to former president Abacha out of Nigeria. Two hundred and fifty-eight million uh, from Pavel Zdrinko, the former prime minister of Ukraine. But the effort goes on, right? Uh, one of the biggest cases in the last few years was the Malaysia One MDB case. Uh, the FBI has seized about two billion dollars of the four point eight billion that was looted out of Malaysia, uh, and that case continues. Uh, the Santos family out of Angola, I believe that Angola has already recovered five. 
billion of the uh, money attributed to the DeSantos regime uh, and, and uh, Isabel DeSantos, the daughter of the former president. Um, money in Miami that was uh, related to Venezuela has been seized by the FBI. And But it's not just the United States. I mean, there are so many countries that have very good... France did a wonderful job going after Teodoro Obiang, the son and vice president um, of Equatorial Guinea, the son of the president of Equatorial Guinea, who happens to also be the vice president. Uh, they seized uh, millions of dollars of assets. So uh, there are many countries involved in asset recovery. The United States frequently has the best opportunity because so much money moves in U.S. dollars. But I will tell you that money can be returned and returned in such a way that it does help the civilian population. In the past, when we have seized money from a country that still had a corrupt regime in power, uh, the United States had to come up with creative ways to return those funds so that there was full transparency so that the money was going to benefit the citizens of that country. Uh, in 2020, the United States returned $311 million of the Abacha money to Nigeria. And the U.S. worked with President Buhari at the time in Nigeria that said, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with this money that will benefit your people? And our, our concerns are that the money doesn't get stolen again, again. once it's returned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... Working with uh, this U.S. State Department, U.S. Department of Justice, and working with the government of Nigeria, uh, three infrastructure projects were identified as their priority. And uh, the requirements for returning the funds included full transparency as to the disbursement of the uh the money that NGOs and civil society had to have access so that they could follow the money and make sure that the contractors weren't the son of a, you know, political elite. And so it can be done. Um, What I think for Croatia would be is that we uh, work with the banks internationally to have them really look, focus on the money coming in and out of Croatia. Mm-hmm. And uh, when when they see anything that looks like a red flag for money laundering, that suspicious activity reports are not only filed, but are actively shared with the financial investigative units, the FIUs, right. whether it's FinCEN in the United States, FinTrack, fin, you know, all the other FIUs, So and ask them to do spontaneous disclosures. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to uh, law enforcement Mm -hmm. so that people, so law enforcement, the uh, DOJ, the people that can do something about it is seeing Mm -hmm. what kind of money is moving in and out of Croatia. That's a great solution, Deb. And uh, let me just briefly share with you the recent article published by the Wall Street Journal just last week, uh, titled, The Wagner Group in Africa Serves Putin's Global Ambitions. And it says, and I quote, At least 1,000 Russian mercenaries are currently operating in Mali, 1,200 in Libya, and 1,000 in the Central African Republic. The Kremlin has also expanded its economic and political projects to Burkina Faso, Algeria, Sudan, Mozambique, Zimbabwe, and Eritrea. If the West doesn't assert itself, Mr. Putin will." Deb, what are your thoughts about this growing threat to Americans and the West emerging in Africa from Russia's mercenaries and the Wagner Group. 
Well, yeah, you know, uh, the Century, who I worked for for the last seven years, they just did an excellent report on the Wagner Group. And every, I will tell you, the eyes of the world are on the Wagner Group, not only because it was the head of the Wagner Group that just tried to uh, upend Putin and then supposedly fled to Belarus, although I don't believe anyone has seen him since uh, that little uprising against <laughs> Uh, Putin in Ukraine. Uh, but I will tell you that the eyes of the world are on the Wagner group because they are they, they are stirring the pot. They are uh, bringing mercenaries into areas that are politically unstable and and backing up corrupt regimes. And so, uh, you know, I can tell you people around the globe are looking at the finances of the Wagner group, um, sanctions, uh, but also arrests for war crimes and, and other atrocities. So, uh, yeah, the, the actions that they have taken in places like Central African Republic, like Sudan, um, I think they have a little foothold in South Sudan. Um, and so, yes, uh, I, I can only say that around the world, the Wagner Group has, has brought attention to itself because of the uh, bringing mercenaries into politically unstable countries within Africa and elsewhere. And, um, you know, it, it's not a good operating um, situation for a group when every financial institution, every government is now looking at what you're doing and, and this political instability that you're, you're perpetuating. Mm. Deb, you and the efforts of the Sentry Group have brought to the world's attention how South Sudan's top officials robbed vulnerable communities of millions of dollars earmarked for food and medicines. And in a Deutsche Welle report titled South Sudan's Ruling Elite Pro for $1 billion scam, and in the report you were quoted, I quote, in South Sudan, opportunities to do great good are turned into a license to steal by President Kiev and his inner circle. Those involved in this billion-dollar scheme hijacked the ministry in control of the nation's most valuable resource, mortgaged the nation's economic future, then simply grabbed the cash for themselves, unquote. Deb, what is the current situation in South Sudan, and is the United States engaged in addressing the problem uh, in this specific region? Well, I'll tell you, uh, the United States provides a great deal of aid uh, to South Sudan because like half the country is displaced, uh, the, half the country is facing huge food insecurities, but it all goes down to a, an incredibly co corrupt regime. The president, President Kerr and his inner circle, uh, the uh, report that you mentioned just now, it took me three years to investigate how a, a scheme that was supposed to bring in goods to be sold in the market at a reasonable price ended up just being looted. And I mean, it is the poster child for corruption, right? In that report, it shows how President Kier's family members were given, I think, $12 million in contracts for which I could show very little product being shipped into the country. Uh, Cornelius Corion, the uh, former head of the central bank, his family got $14 million worth of contracts for which I could not show that goods were being shipped into the country. And so it, it, uh, it is just indicative of what's going on. South Sudan, uh, according to Transparency International's Perceived Corruption Index, was the most corrupt country in the world for two of the last three years. And I think they, they got bumped up to like their second to last now. Um, but it, 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 if, if you're in South Sudan, you see that people don't, 85% of women, 75% of men are illiterate. Right. Because no money goes into education. Mm, um, sad. If you look at who's getting the contracts for um, 
not only Ebola, but also for COVID for the last three years, it is people connected with the high political uh, elites of South Sudan. And so, I mean, uh, on every level, uh, the country is just being looted of its assets. As we talked about Croatia, there is a case of Gabriele Volpi, who is a Croatian and Nigerian citizen, uh, who invested money under you know, very suspect circumstances in the two soccer stadium and is still present through investments in the city of Rijeka and Croatia. Uh, we know that uh, uh, he has been involved in, uh, in having exclusive access to Nigeria's oil drilling platforms, whereby it was alleged that companies, in order to do business in Nigeria, had to pay kickbacks to uh, such companies as um, uh, Gabriele Volpis. So, uh, Deb, there are some news coming out uh, regarding uh, corruption and uh, a case of, uh, of Gabriele Volpi. Could you share with us and the listeners about it? Well, yes. You know, there's two things I, I'd like to touch. First of all, you know that I worked Nigerian oil corruption for years, right? And I mean, all the way back to the 90s and uh, to most recently, uh, Daizani Allison Matawake, the former minister of petroleum who was arrested um, in 2015 in the UK because of, there's so much corruption within the Nigerian oil sector. So I think that it would be very good to have conversations with the new head of the Anti-Corruption Commission, the EFCC in Nigeria, to see if they could open investigations into uh, Volpi's actions uh, within the oil industry, also with the new president of Nigeria. Maybe there could be, uh, even though he's a billionaire and probably very popular amongst the political elites of Nigeria, maybe there could be action taken there. But yes, uh, you know, um, I'm aware that just a month ago, uh, there was a really good um, information out that Volpe's two sons have brought legal action against him because um, they're fighting over the, a multi-billion dollar assets um, that have been accumulated. Uh, I think Volpe's been in, in Nigeria now over like 29 years uh, oh and has Nigerian citizenship. And But he has a global uh, financial network. And uh, after a divorce with his ex, uh, now ex-wife, and uh, he has been solidifying assets away from his family members, from his ex-wife and his two sons. His son, Mateo, has brought legal action against him. I feel that there may be information that could be gleaned from any court cases that have been brought. I believe that Volpe was also investigated in Italy, and the United States U.S. Senate Permanent Subcommittee had an investigation on him. So I think it would be uh, behoove uh, anti-corruption activists to go after anything uh, that has been brought to light in those criminal cases, those court cases, those investigations, to see uh, what can be done to address the corruption that we believe occurred in Nigeria related to his oil interests. Yeah. Mm, right. And it would be very important for the European Union and the newly established European Prosecutor's Office to really delve into this here because it appears that Volpe is not just only uh, an individual who originated from Italy, but he and very much involved in the business dealings here in Croatia as well as in Nigeria. Yeah, and his investments into Croatia come from uh, a company registered in Netherlands. So basically, a number of countries are connected. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. And you know what, if you feel that you're not going to get uh, the traction in Croatia, then you backtrack it. Okay, well, the Netherlands, maybe the Netherlands will because it was a Netherlands uh, corporation where the money moved from uh, to buy the soccer team in Croatia, the football team. And so, yes, uh, I think it, it, it needs to be attacked on many fronts. It needs to be tracked in the United States. It needs to be attacked in Nigeria. It needs to be attacked in Italy. It needs to be attacked in Croatia. And it needs to be attacked in the Netherlands. Yeah, and this is a really a great case for mutual legal assistance whereby gracious authorities can ask for assistance, as you kindly shared, from the partners in America, in Netherlands, to tackle this case. I think so. And if you look, I mean, uh, the Bahamas, I, he, I know he has, uh, he has a, a global network. And I think getting financial institutions involved, maybe briefing them on the movements of money that you do know about, uh, and really getting them to generate uh, suspicious activity reports if they're finding that money is moving through their financial institutions. Uh, Deb, would you like to share about your important podcast that is reaching a great many people? Oh, yes. Thank you. Uh, I had the uh, wonderful opportunity last year to do a podcast. It's called A Nation for Thieves. And it's about the work that I did at the FBI, but it, it, it shows what goes into investigations and the level of corruption around the world and how the FBI, uh, you know, I was able as an FBI agent to help part of that fight. Wonderful. Uh, where do people go to find out about this important story and the message that you're sharing on the podcast? Uh, well, it's on all the platforms. It's uh, It was put out by Lionsgate, so it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other platforms. Wonderful. And on our website, we'll also put the direct link for people to join this podcast and learn more about the important work that you've accomplished. Thank you so much. Your final thoughts and your message to those that are fighting the good fight, uh, the reformers in these different countries, uh, in developing countries, what is your message to them? Don't give up. You know what? When you shine a light on corruption, uh, you may not see the efforts today, but tomorrow. You just keep fighting because the alternative is horrible. Right. And so, if you want to live in a in a world where good succeeds, then the people. You know what do they say? Evil thrives when good men do nothing. Right. So do something. We have to be the ones, everyone that does something to fight for something good. Thank you so much for these encouraging words. Absolutely. Well, Deb, it has been a great honor and privilege to have you at America's Roundtable. Uh, we are delighted to have Deborah Laprevald, former senior FBI official, a principal leader addressing global corruption and strengthening the rule of law. Thank you so much for joining us today, Deb. Thank you so much indeed for your insights. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you today and, and for the excellent work that you're doing in the Balkans and around the world. And uh, we will just keep fighting the good fight. Thank you so yeah. much. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joel Adinsami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Sardorch, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. 
AmericasRT.com. Follow us on Facebook, America's Roundtable, and Twitter at AmericasRT. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, AmericasRT.com.